Welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC, the show for young Christian business guys about young Christian business guys. We talk sports, we talk business, but most importantly, we talk about Jesus. Today is August 18th, 2020. I am John Harrison, your host. As a community, we are unapologetically Christian, unapologetically business guys, and unapologetically open and vulnerable about our lives, the challenges we face, and the faith and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We believe in spiritual mentorship, aka discipleship, learning what it means to follow Jesus and what it looks like to follow Jesus from another man. And we believe in the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with others who are growing in their faith and can help you become the man that God designed you to be. So today, August 18th, I know I say it every show, but I am jacked for this guest today. I got to know this guy uh, about eight months ago now, and he is what I call a ripple starter, a world changer. And I cannot wait to spend the next 25 minutes with him. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast, all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, Alan Simmons. Alan, so good to have you, my friend. Yeah. How about that? How about that hype video? (laughs) What's up, John? Thanks for, thanks for, inviting me on like this. I, I appreciate this, brother. Yeah, I'm super excited. As I mentioned, I got to know you, I think it was eight or nine months ago now down in Tampa, Florida, and mutual mm-hmm. friend of Bill Montrose and uh, yeah. or Montrose. I never know if I'm saying Montrose. it right, but fill us <laughs> in, man. Alan, tell us about yourself personally, professionally. We want to hear it all. <sighs> well, uh, the first things first is I'm from Charleston, South Carolina, and my name is Alan Levi Simmons. I, um, I'm a United States Marine Corps veteran. But before that, I wrestled, ran track, played football in high school. Uh, So I joined the Marine Corps in 2007, went to Iraq, Afghanistan. And uh, I guess we could go more into those, you know, later on. Um, But yes, I did go to Iraq and Afghanistan. I survived an RPG explosion. Um, God showed me where the IED was in Afghanistan. So like, you know, when I when I when I say I'm a believer, I believe in the living God because he spoke to me in the land of my enemy. And um, mm. so so I do that. I'm a college student. I'm graduating in December, January due to COVID, but I'm um, electrical engineering technology at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Uh, and uh, oh, <laughs> and I'm a motivational speaker. I wrote a book. Oh, I got it right here. Quick plug for myself. Uh, can I speak? <laughs> I wrote I a have book. It, I have it on my bookshelf. Yeah, so I wrote wrote a book of poems. I'm a husband. I'm a man of God, and I'm nothing at the end of the day without Christ. So, Boom. yes, <laughs> you and me both, man. Yeah, I'm glad you threw that in there because you are a motivational speaker, author. I love your stuff, and so let's unpack that a little bit. I want to hear how we got to. Well, number one, I want to hear a lot about what you're doing now because it's so in- inspirational to me, encouraging to me. But I want to back up and say, okay, how did you get to where you are today? So maybe. Let's let's talk about your your time in the military. I think that's such a niche and obviously mm-hmm. uh, um, an environment in which a lot of guys experience. And we now have a lot of veterans coming back. So let's unpack that a little bit. Tell me about what your military experience entailed. Well, so I was in Paris Island, South Carolina, for the Marine Corps boot camp, the only boot camp in the world. And um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, so I was in boot camp in uh, Paris Island, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, boot camp was really tough for me. I wanted to quit, honest to God. You know, when people say, oh, you're a Marine, 
I'm like, yes. And, and, you know, I cried when I got my uh, insignia, you know, it's, it's what we get after we finish our crucible. You know, it's like that after you finish your march, your, your hike and, and 72 hours of just like not sleeping, you know, so after you go through all of that, you get that Eagle globe and anchor and you become a Marine. So in boot camp, when I became a Marine, I cried, I weeped. <laughs> and, uh, but it was the most um, amazing experience ever. You know, and, um, you know, I wouldn't trade that for a thing. And so while I was in, I went to Okinawa, Japan. That was awesome, awesome, awesome experience. I love Okinawa, Japan. And uh, from there, they were like, hey, you know, you just got ranked to corporal. Uh, and it's you and this other corporal here. Who wants to go to Iraq? And uh, we looked at each other <laughs> and he just got married. So I was the, I was the guy, you know. Um, so I wow. went to Baghdad, Iraq in 2008. And it was a very, very strange experience. <laughs> I don't know if you want to hop in between here or do you want me to continue? Just keep um, going, with, man. Okay, I'm right there. Going. My heart so, is right there with you. <laughs> so, so, so I was in Iraq and I'm not really going to say all that I did, but I'll, I'll say that I was, I was responsible for keeping track of uh, the, the Taliban's movement. Um, and, and, significant events in Iraq and whatnot. So, you know, and being there, you know, I, I wasn't like on the ground, like running out there, you know, um, doing what Americans think we all do. I was more on the intel side of whatnot. And, you know, being there, I was able to see the world from a different perspective at this young age, 2008. That was like 12 years ago, right? So <laughs> I'm now about to be 32, you know? So I was a, I was a young guy, you know, in Iraq, and, you know, we were we would see explosions and, and vehicle bombs and all of these things happening. And, you know, I'm in this country far away from home at like 20 years of age. And, and this experience was was I'd say traumatic in a sense where, you know, where you're laying in bed and there's uh, alarms going off because they're shooting, you know, IDFs, in, which is indirect missile attacks and stuff like that in your area. So. You know, it's like going through that. You live a traumatic life at that point in time, even if you've never went and shot at the enemy or never been in a combat experience. Right. So, you know, Iraq happened. And then, you know, I get to my freedom in California. You know, everybody wants to go to California. Right. So I get to California. And next thing you know, they said, hey, we have um, uh, EOD, which is Explosive Ordinance Disposal Company. Right. So EOD, those are the guys that, you know, they defuse bombs. They those when you see a bomb or IED, FBI even calls EOD, right? So those are the guys that they were uh, trying to send someone to attach, you know, with them to deploy to Afghanistan. And uh, I just so happened to be an electrician and I make a good support personnel, right? <laughs> so support personnel means you're good for anything. And um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I really uh, had my moment of you know, despair before I left. And nobody really knows this story, but my close friends. And I'll share this with you because a lot of people may be looking at this like, oh, this guy, he's doing everything right. But when I was in the Marine Corps, I almost missed my deployment to Afghanistan. I almost missed my deployment because I was out partying the night before. <laughs> you know, this is this is what, 2010, you know, and I'm like, my birthday was approaching and I'm like, I'm going to Afghanistan with EOD. Like there's been like several funerals that have happened before we even deploy. Like my mind is already like, oh, my God, I'm scared. And, you know, but you're a Marine, you're a man. Right. So like you just got to you just you just have to suck it up and go do what you have to do. Right. So I go out the night before. 
lo and behold, I wake up and it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. We're supposed to be at the armory at zero four, like four o'clock in the morning. Um, so that's six hours late. And thankfully, thank God, I was able to still make it to my deployment because I would have been AWOL. So nobody really, you're mm -hmm. getting lucky. Nobody really knows this story about me. Um, so, so yeah, that was my one screw up moment before Afghanistan and I paid for it, I guess, because I got sent to, uh, you know, not the, I didn't get sent to the green zone. I was in a forward operation base in Afghanistan and Marja. And, you know, it was there where, you know, I was supporting and it was, it was fun at first. I met my friends there from my friends from Japan was there. I was like, Oh my God, my friend from Japan is here. So we was dancing buddy. So we was always making pop lock videos at night in Afghanistan. Right. So these crazy guys are making pop lock videos at night, you know, dancing. Cause that's what we love to do. Lo and behold, one day they're like, Simmons, you want to go on a patrol? I was like, yes, I'll go on a patrol. Right. And a patrol is when you like, walk the streets, let's just say, walk mm -hmm. the streets, make sure everybody's okay out there. So we were doing a presence patrol. So that, that next morning I get there and they're like, all right, Simmons, this is what the formation is going to be. You know, it's 15 guys, just about 15 guys. And this is my first foot patrol, like walking around in Afghanistan, you know, amongst the, the living. Right. <laughs> and um, so they were like, all right, Simmons, we want you in the front. And then this guy over here. So I was like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. You guys want to put me in the front of the formation? It's like, that's not good. You know, the black guy always dies first in the movies. And like everybody was laughing. And I was like, I'm serious. <laughs> but it was it was a joke. But then I was like, no, I'm seriously like I'm scared. Like I'm the first guy in the formation walking out in town. Right. Um, this is not fun. So, you know, granted, being the first guy, I ended up finding are standing next to an IED um, after we were told and warned by a little boy who came out and told us that the uh, Taliban told everybody to go in the house and they put an IED in the road, right? Um, and and what an IED is, is an improvised explosive device. So it means mm -hmm. that they can make an IED out of a water bottle. It's improvised, right? But it still explodes and it's a device. So they, they, the Taliban had put an IED in the road somewhere and we were just like, Ah, where is it? We had a metal detector and that was it, you know? Um, so I'm walking by faith, literally. And I'm like praying to God. I'm like, God, like I'm at this time, I'm a believer. I got saved at 12, but then I just backslid on a slide. <laughs> right. I was, I was at that, I was at that point in my life. Right. So, but me and God was still cool. He was still my father. We were still cool. Right. We was, I was just back on the slide, you know? And, um, so so when I was walking through Afghanistan, I'm I'm talking to God because I know my father, right? I'm like God, like please, Lord, please don't let nothing happen. Please don't let this be my day, you know. Um, and I get to this intersection, and you know I'm looking in my scope, like my my scope, my ACOG, and my rifle just to see if I see anything out of the blue. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, like. In my, in my, in my, in my, in my body. <laughs> and he said, look by your foot. I'm in Afghanistan. Right. And I don't know what's going on. The Taliban put a bomb. In. The Holy Spirit says, I'm getting chills. The Holy Spirit said, look by your foot. So I look by my foot, John. Right. And I see this haystack. It's a random haystack sit, sit right by my foot. And it's probably like knee high. And I'm just like, okay, random haystack at the corner of a road, right? And this is like a, a it's almost like an alley dirt road. It was open forest. I don't, I, whatever you think of Afghanistan, not just dirt, but they have gardens and everything too, right? 
Um, so we were out there and it was a bunch of gardens and some little hut houses out there. And here's this little haystack. So something in me just told me <laughs> to go ahead and like lift the haystack up to see what's under it. Right. So I'm lifting the haystack up and I see a propane tank. Right. I just see a, a silver propane tank and I'm starting to lift it up a little bit more. And then I see the 12 nine volt batteries and a cell phone strapped on top of it with wires coming out of it and all that stuff. And it's attached to this bomb <laughs> right in front of my face, you know, and I literally was like, you know, all the, all the words anybody could say. And, you know, at a deer in the headlights, you know, cause in the movies, John, you would have been like, Alan run, but in war and combat, you don't want to run because there's secondary and tertiary. Like there's other, devices that could be out there and you could harm somebody else. This is all, this, this deals with a lot with us spiritually too. We could just talk about another day though, but you don't want to just run because you see a bomb because you could end up hurting another person. Um, but yeah, so that happens. I find a bomb. We freak out and we put a, uh, <laughs> we, we actually had a radio jammer. Let me tell you, let me tell you something about being in the grace of God, John. We had a radio jammer right? A radio jammer. Like when you go on bases, they jam radio signals when you're at the entrance, right? So we had a Thor pack, which jammed radio signals. And the guy that was wearing the Thor pack was within the, the right radius to block the radio signal, sorry, to block the radio signals that were, that were trying to come from that phone. Like they were trying to call that phone, that mm -hmm. ID, right? So wow. So by the grace of God, right? So, so, so yeah. So all that happened. We get it. We get attacked by the Taliban, and I get in an RPG explosion. Like the RPG, which is a rocket propelled grenade, was shot from the Taliban, and I was running myself and a, another Marine. We were running back to uh, to gather with the other Marines, and and I our RPG landed six feet, maybe I don't know how. I don't. I can't recount <laughs> what it was, but I knew the blast push me back, you know, and I was boom, like the movies, the ears ringing, the heartbeat slowing down, like all of that happening. Right. And um, so, so yeah, I want to pin a pin on it right there and just say like, that was an experience. And, um, but yeah, let's, whatever else you want to talk about, we can keep talking about it, whatever you want. Uh, I, I literally, <laughs> I have another, I'll clear my afternoon and we will just unpack this for hours. <laughs> I'm not sure how many people would listen to it. I'm not sure how many people listen anyway, but, uh, you know, Alan, so, so one thing I know as we've gotten to, to know each other a little bit more is we've had conversations around PTSD and conversations around suicide. And one of the driving factors of, of really why I do what I do and try to connect men to discipleship and peer groups is one of the highest rates of suicide in today's uh, people groups is 45 to 55 year old males. And right. so we share the same belief that if you can get guys connected to community and we can get them out of, out of isolation, get them to really understand a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's amazing what can happen for that, those suicidal thoughts and, and just the suicide epidemic in general. But I want to shift it specifically to you and your experience. Can you talk just maybe for two to four minutes about PTSD that you experienced, how you've maybe recovered and are still recovering, and then maybe some of the work that you do with guys in that arena. Okay, awesome. I got to write down a word so I make sure I say this while I'm talking about it. So hold on. <laughs> My mind is something else. So um, PTSD, I knew nothing of it. 
you know, before Afghanistan, like I didn't personally know anything about it. I knew Marines who were going through it and I never understood it. I never understood why anyone could be so depressed and want to kill themselves either. Right. Um, and I had an incident and I want to go to this incident because this defines the way I see PTSD. You know, um, this defines how I see people who attempt suicide and those who have successfully committed suicide, you know? So I'm, I'm going to share this because a lot of people have perceptions about suicide and PTSD. And I just want to bring, you know, some clarity from my point of view. Um, so when I was in uh, Okinawa, Japan, a, a Marine that I was stationed with attempted suicide. Uh, we just so happened to be able to uh, break into his room in time to save him, right? Uh, and we were sitting in the hospital, mental hospital with him a few days later. And I sat there as a as his, you know, superior. And I was like, you know, in my mind, I judged him. I was like, that's so stupid. Like, why would you try to commit suicide? You know, and I said that in my mind. And so here I am after getting out of the Marine Corps, after getting out of uh, coming back from Afghanistan, literally right when I came back from Afghanistan, I was uh, ending my contract in the Marine Corps. So I get back from Afghanistan. There's no true filtering me into the system of you know the civilian world. I just told you a story that just happened to me, right? I was not, there was, there was no detox or anything for me transitioning out of the Marine Corps. We got our little transitioning thing. Everybody always, oh, they got taps. You got all this stuff that when you're transitioning, they give you to get back to the civilian world, but they don't give you um, anything to help you with that, that experience, right? get a little worked up sometimes but um so ptsd for me became this great demon um that i didn't call you know i didn't ask for this this demon to be in my life and the reason why i call it a demon is because it wants to still kill and destroy everything in your life that ptsd it makes you feel worthless useless it makes you feel like you should have died it makes you feel like uh you know since you lived you're not worth anything and then you you get to measuring your ptsd with another person's and say well they got their legs blown off or they got their arm blown off but i got i was in an explosion as well but i didn't get a purple heart so you get into these things with you know with your survival and i feel like that's why the ptsd becomes so sickening and and like the way that it, it it attaches itself to the old things as well like you know if you're if your mom left you or if your dad left you when you were a kid it intensifies the pain and it intensifies the hurt this is just what i've learned from my own life um so you know with ptsd i i'll tell you this story because since we're talking about my god encounters um i was in virginia in norfolk virginia i had a uh, I think I just dropped out of college, Old Dominion University. So mind you, I'm graduating in December, but I just dropped out of college at this point in time. And I was having pills. I have a whole book bag full of pills from the, from, from the VA. I just showed my wife the other day. It was like anxiety, depression, nightmares, like all of these pills, right. That I stopped taking. And I just started leaning on God. That was just my choice though. That was my choice. I was willing to deal with the pain. Just to just to lean on God, right? Because mm -hmm. He says to lean not on our own understandings, but we'll get to that later too. So, 
you know, um, so here I am in my apartment with my loaded gun and some pills laid on my bed. And, you know, this this PTSD was it was hurting me because, you know, I wasn't letting other people see it. I wasn't letting other people see my, you know, my other side, you know, and there were times at parties, maybe I was on the floor, low crawling, like, get down, get down. Like I was at a party one time and I did that, like, get down. Like I was that, that far off, you know? Um, you know, so, so I was in my house with this gun, with the pills. And I was like, you know, who's going to stop me? What should I do? And, and I'm just looking for answers when there's no one to give me answers. Once again, only God can free me from this situation. And I wasn't even thinking about God at that time. I was just like, who, you know, nobody knows I got this gun in my mouth right now, you know, and that's it. This is it. So I literally had that gun in my mouth and <laughs> I see this light from the street light shining through my window. And I have this Bible on my nightstand and it's from my grandmother, right? My grandmother gave me this Bible a long time ago, but I I'd read it a couple of times and I just kept it with me and I keep bad spirits away. That's what my grandfather told me, right? To keep it by your bed, to keep bad spirits away. Um, so this the, the light uh, was shining on the Bible at this time and call it whatever you want to call it. But God spoke to me and said, right when I looked at, well, first, when I looked at the Bible, it, it was a... Uh, it was not condemnation. It was more so conviction. Conviction had reached my heart when I looked at the Bible while I had this gun in my mouth. Right. So a lot of people say, well, how can God save you? But he doesn't save everybody else. And this is what I just got just now downloaded in my spirit. So <laughs> so what I just got just now is that when I saw that Bible, when I saw the word of God, there was no condemnation. It was conviction. Because I knew what was inside of the word. I know the word, right? The word is life, right? So when you have that word inside of you, it, it, it activates, you know, even when you don't even realize. So when I had that gun inside of my mouth, God was able to speak to me through my conviction. And he said, who are you to take your own life when I brought you from the land of your enemy? Literally the same voice from Afghanistan spoke to me in my bedroom and said, who are like, I'm talking about. I'm not, I can't make this up. Who are you to take your own life when I brought you from the land of your enemy? I broke down crying, John. I was on the floor with this gun by my side and the pills over here. And I was, I, I was in a fetal position on my floor crying. And I, I, I cried myself to sleep, woke up the next morning and took my gun to the pawn shop. And I, and that, and I, so what I'm saying is like, when you start responding to God in your pain and in your situation, he will do the rest. You just have to respond. I didn't know how I was going to get out of PTSD, but I knew I had to get rid of that gun right then and there. You know, I knew I had to get rid of that gun. I knew I had to stop taking those pills right then and there. So that's what I'll say on that note. <laughs> let me just, let me just take a deep breath here, Alan. <laughs> let me just get caught up because yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Well, it's it's a lot, right? But the but the the same misery that you were once in is now your ministry. Right. Mm, right. Come on, brother. <laughs> and this the same pain that you experienced is becoming your platform. Right. And what you have been cured from, you now hold the antidote to what others need the antidote to. 
And when you understood that you weren't letting people see it, you weren't letting people see your pain. You weren't yeah. letting people see your mess, right? There's some, there's some yeah. power in that. And then mm-hmm. this, you know, mm-hmm. let's just give three seconds of praise to our father, God, right. Lord Jesus, Amen. Holy spirit for yeah. conviction and not condemnation. Right. Lord come Jesus on. does not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Mm-hmm. But conviction yeah. is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And don't run from yes. conviction. Don't right. run from conviction. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But there is conviction in order to encourage us to be sanctified. Come on. You preaching, John? I, I love that message that you shared, man. And so I just... <laughs> I, I, you know, this is going way too fast. So I could easily stop it here and say, Hey man, we need a part two of this. Cause I know yeah. that we need to unpack this longer. So I'm, I'll probably just throw a stake in the ground and say, we're definitely going to do a part yeah. two. So okay, let's, awesome. let's, yeah, we're going to, you're going to, so stay tuned. You're going to have part two <laughs> from Alan Levi Simmons. And right. I appreciate that I'm not alone because I go by John Scott Harrison. So, okay, right so there we got that. <laughs> there we yeah. go. The yeah, whole you gotta take you gotta take the name that God has given you through your your family. You know it. I don't. I don't want to stop right there. We could unpack that for another two hours. Yeah, you get two yeah. guys who both host, right. host podcasts talking together. It lasts for a couple right. hours. But you are you are the host of the Purpose Pod, so you can right. check out on YouTube the Purpose Pod. I think you got about seventy or seventy five episodes on there. Some amazing people. Um, we are going to have a part two. Of, of yes, your sir. episode. So we, we've teed up your story, your time in Afghanistan, uh, in Iraq. And thank you so much for your service. It's, it's, thank I you. believe John 15, 13, when Jesus is in the garden talking to his disciples, John 15, if I could just live in one chapter for the rest of my life, that may be it. But yeah. John 15, 13 says there is no greater love than this, than to lay down your life for another. There is no greater love than this than to lay down your life for another. So I don't want to sit here and just say, Alan, thanks for your service. I want to sit here and say, Alan, there is no greater love than Mm -hmm. what you did to lay down your life for another. When you looked at that other corporal or that other sergeant, I apologize, in the eye, and he had just recently been married, you said, you know what? I'm going. But think Mm -hmm. about that step of obedience that you took to go into the land of the enemy to mm-hmm. deepen your to deepen your relationship with the Lord. Think about yeah. the testimony that you have. Revelation 12:11 says they overcame right. the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Nobody right. can take away from the fact that the Holy Spirit revealed to you where an IED was. Right. Nobody can take that <laughs> away from you. Nobody right. can take that away from you. You keep riding mm-hmm. that, you keep sharing that, you keep letting people know that because that is the power. The blood of the lamb, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the power of our testimony. So before mm-hmm. we jump off, I just want to share a verse of the day and then we are going to have part 2. We'll get it on the books cuz we got to unpack a whole <laughs> host of other questions I have for you. Yeah. But let's talk oh. about this verse of the day quick. Matthew 6:33, uh, mm-hmm. one of my favorites. If anybody out there, if you want to read what's called the Sermon on the Mount, go read Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Theologians believe it was about a 20 to 30 minute that, uh, sermon that Jesus gave, mm-hmm. and it holds some of the most applicable truth that surpasses and transcends years. So you can go read that. So Matthew 6, 33 is almost towards the end of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And he says, he actually starts this. I love 
framing this up in a context in terms of he's talking about before this, he's saying, do not worry. He basically mm -hmm. goes on to say, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will have enough worries of its own. And then he goes with this verse, which is Matthew 633. That's but he starts it with but because it's following all of these things of, of to not worry, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So Alan, what does that verse mean to you? That verse means that everything that I need is provided already. It's not that it will be, is that it is provided. Like we serve a right now God and God wants us to seek his kingdom first, which is Christ. Through Christ, we find the kingdom of God, you know, and through Christ, we find the, the kingdom of freedom, you know, so like in Christ, we find all things. So yes, all, all that we need is provided now. The healing is here now. You know, and even if even even through death, Christ still reigns. So whatever you are looking for, God has it. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. So Alan and all the listeners, stay tuned. We'll have Alan Levi Simmons on for a part two episode. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank Thanks you, for all you're doing. I appreciate you. You're an encouragement to me. Have a great rest of your week. You too, brother. Thank you. So as most of you out there, can agree with me, we definitely need a part two to be able to hear a little bit more of Alan's story and unpack all that he has going on and all that he's doing now from that perspective. But a couple, just a couple things I wanted to focus on that Alan touched on is this idea of when he looked at the word of God, this is a powerful, powerful story. Okay. He had a gun in his mouth. Let's just stop that for a second. For those of you out there who've maybe been in that suicidal uh, thought process, or you've maybe even gotten to that point, right? He's got a gun in his mouth. And he looks over and he sees the word of God and the Holy Spirit lays on his heart. There is no condemnation. It's only conviction. And he goes on to say that the Lord laid on his heart. Who, who, who are you to take your own life when I delivered you from the land of your enemy? Right? I think it's um, Deuteronomy 30, 19, Deuteronomy 30, 19. It talks about now you will choose life. Alan made a choice to choose life that day. So understand when you're reading the word of God, it is not from a condemnation standpoint, but a conviction standpoint. And don't run from the conviction. Um, for any of you who want to connect with Alan, I know he's got a website, alanlevisimmons.com. I'll put some information in the show notes so you can get connected with him. You can check out his book. But he has such a powerful story. He's using his pain as his platform. And the, 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 the misery that he has in has become his ministry. And so I just encourage you out there today as you're taking one step closer to the Lord, or you're trying to identify how can I connect with people is, is we all have a story. We all have tests that have been turned into testimonies. We all have pain that have turned into our platforms. So I encourage you to not hide, to not shy away from the challenges, the difficulties, because what you've been cured from is going to be an encouragement to someone else who's battling the same issue that you were. And that's what resonated with me today from Alan Simmons. So today, August 18th, 2020, I'm excited for part two with Alan Simmons, but I'll tell you what, here at the Young Christian Business Guy, powered by CBMC, we believe in the power of discipleship and the power of peer groups, the power of discipleship and the power of peer groups, surrounding yourself with other people that are growing their faith and can help you grow in your faith. So if you want to get surrounded in that, just as Alan is there in North Carolina, visit ycbguy.com. Y is in young, C is in Christian, B is in business guy, G-U-Y.com. There's four boxes there. One, 
Check it if you want to get connected to a spiritual mentor. Two, check it if you want to get connected to a group of guys, either virtually or in person in your city. Number three, check it if you want to join our national call for young Christian business guys. And fourth box, check it if you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian. If you have doubts, if you have questions, if you don't even understand and you want to have a conversation in a safe environment, we have guys ready to connect with you and visit about that. Remember, stay connected. Vulnerability is the key to intimacy and intimacy is the kryptonite to the enemy's isolation. So today, August 20th, August 18th, 2020, thanks for tuning in to the Young Christian Business Guy video podcast powered by CBMC. I'm John Harrison. Remember, stay on purpose and we'll see you next time. Take care. 